to buy positive these are your hosts mari and md and today we'll be talking about coming out what it's like for bisexuals and how it happens and why it happens so much later (laughs) i don't know if it's so much later but it's yeah research has uh, shown that bisexual tend to come out later we already talked a little bit about it and so just like some theoretical thing. So there's different uh, theories about coming out. Uh, one that is a little bit um, old, but still pretty much accurate, is cat theory. It's both for a lesbian, gay, and bisexual. It's the idea that you are basically first in denial, <laughs> and then uh, you start realizing that something might be different. Mm-hmm. Then you understand that you're attracted by a gender you're not supposed to be attracted to, the same gender, uh, which at this moment can be pretty negative as a feeling. Uh, you might want to have it uh, go away. And then um, you start to accept it. And there might be this phase, or you are thinking that every straight people, all straight, all straight people are not worth it, and only queer people are amazing. Uh, <laughs> and maybe even only gay or lesbian or bisexual uh, people of your own orientation. And then you kind of calm down and integrate everything. Your identity is as a, as a queer person is solid and a part of who you are. And not everyone uh, gets there because it's uh, there's a lot of stigma to um, to fight external and internalized. Uh, so yeah, that's one of the theory. It doesn't I mean completely apply to everyone, but it's I mean it's true a lot of the time. It was pretty true for me, <laughs> at least. And then um, the other theoretical part is that, yeah, bisexual tends to come out a little later. And the main explanation is that, first of all, people don't know what bisexuality is. <laughs> and then it's because you can pretend that you're straight a little bit longer. Yeah, it's safer. It's safer. You can actually be in a relationship with someone that is uh, socially acceptable, which it's more difficult when you're gay. Okay, that's interesting because, I don't know, I've always thought this um, ever since, I think you were the one who introduced me to like the theoretical model of coming out and everything, and ever since um, I heard it, it kind of reminds me of the stages of grief a little, Yeah. like the trajectory of it is that you're first in denial, then you're angry about it, then you're negotiating, you're then you're depressed, and then you sort of integrate and you accept it, and in a way, like, I don't know if it's just me, but to me, it's it's that's the way I see it, is that you kind of grieve the loss of this straight identity and the privilege that comes with it in a way yeah um people around you do as well um because when you come out you know your parents your friends you know people that are concerned for you even those that aren't homophobic or biphobic or whatever you know they're gonna they're gonna mourn that loss for you because Mm -hmm. they will know that your life just got so much harder yeah and it's yeah there's this grieving process for everyone I mean, in a lot of things that happen in life, you have to go through that kind of grieving process. And as the grieving process, at least that, that Kubler-Ross theory of the mm-hmm. five stages of grief, you don't necessarily go through all the stages. You can go back and forth between stages uh, and it cannot be in the same right, in the same exact order. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also pretty much applicable for uh, coming out. Yeah. And one of the other aspects of coming out, like the theories, is that you can uh, go through a whole like experimentation phase when it comes to sexual orientation, or it can be a very mo- much more uh, self-reflective process. Mm-hmm. That there is no one way of coming out in the sense of you don't have to uh, sleep with a lot of people <laughs> to know exactly what you are. But you can also do that. Uh, and uh, you can, it can be very self-reflective and just, um, okay, what am I feeling? And look, like looking up for, for information 
Yeah. And I think that's probably one of the things that um, affects a lot of non-sexual people, like asexuals and aromantic people, is that they um, they feel don't necessarily feel the need to experiment, and that puts even more question marks into this whole identity thing. I mean, I, I wouldn't know I'm not asexual, but it would be interesting to ask um, someone mm-hmm. with that experience mm-hmm. as to like how experimentation key, keys into this whole thing when it's less of an option. I'm not saying asexual people can't experiment. Of course they can, but that, yeah. that's an interesting interesting point to make. Um, and another thing is that, oh, I think we've talked about this ad nauseum before, <laughs> but I now I want to record it in history, is that once you come out, you just kind of keep coming out. Yeah, of course. Um, that it's not like a one-time thing. Because people, a lot of people in a lot of media talk about coming out as this one-time thing. Mm. It's like one time only in theaters this Thursday. <laughs> this person <laughs> is coming out of the closet. But in reality, like you keep coming out every single day of your life, every time you meet someone new or even meet someone that's been in your life but just doesn't know. Yeah. You keep coming out. You keep reintroducing them to your experience of being queer. Yeah. You keep being like, by the way, friendly reminder for today, I'm queer and my experience is different to yours. And it's kind of always funny to see someone who doesn't isn't part of that identity. They go, oh, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> and then, I mean, there's this first uni- process of coming out to, to, to yourself. Yeah. And then to people that will call us to you. But even that, yeah, it's never over. Also, even your personal, coming out to yourself, you can also understand things later in life mm-hmm. about uh, your sexual orientation or what, what, who you are and, and have a more precise idea of your identity or like build it differently. Yeah. And I think it's kind of the continuous coming out process too when it comes to your yeah. sexual orientation. I, I think that, that speaks for, for all facets of identity is that identity develops and and evolves every single second of our lives and honestly i would love to meet a person who is entirely stable in their identity and is not questioning anything at all i would love to shake their hand and be like you belong in a museum i'm not even sure it's possible i don't think it's possible i think that's no because a lot of people think oh it's development stops at puberty right you go through puberty you you go through crazy years as a teenager you hit 18 or whatever the age of of majority is in your country and suddenly you're an adult and you know what's up and you're like super awesome and then you die that's not how it works and that's that's also very interesting about the coming out process um when i was trying to work on my thesis and there are some people say yeah you have to talk about developmental psychology and then yeah actually no mm-hmm. because you can go through that coming out process so it's a developmental theory okay but you go through that to that process you can do go through that when you're a teenager uh, you can start actually in childhood but it's a little bit different because there's no sexual attraction in children so that's why it's it's a little dif- bit different so then so you can go through that when you're a teenager or you can go through that whole process much later in life i think for a lot of um transgender people it's also the case yeah um that it comes a little bit later not during teenage years, just because there's more access to information. Part of it, I blame part of it on the secrecy of this that we talked about before. You know, mm-hmm. if it's if the, your identity is not being promoted, it's not being um, talked yeah. about, there is no information about that identity. So how would you know that there are other people out there going through the same thing? And that makes it so much harder to reach that point until you have, like, free access to the internet, I guess. Yeah. And your parents aren't watching your every move. Yeah, no, that that actually exactly my experience is that I already talked a little bit about it. I'm, I'm older, and when I was growing up, there were no internet. Well, like it, start, it was starting when I was a teenager, but it was probably no, nothing comparable to what it is today. And I had just no access to information about it. So I thought that what I could feel towards women was, like, every 
girls were was was feeling i had no idea that it might be different and then it made absolutely no sense for me that i could be attracted and actually be in love with a girl at the time when i knew that i was genuinely into men i had had boyfriend and and i knew uh, i i liked i liked men it was not a question for me. It was kind of similar to me when I was a, a teenager. And I think I was kind of projecting like my own narcissistic views of the of the world onto <laughs> others. I thought that the way I feel, that's how everybody else in the world feels. And that's a very kind of childish point of view. But then there was also this aspect of like heterosexuality and heteronormativity being romanticized a lot yeah. more. And so I like without a shadow of a doubt, I thought that I was going to marry and I'd have children with a man. Mm-hmm. That was my thing. Yeah. But then there was also my my girlfriends, my actual girlfriends, <laughs> not my girls who are friends, not my gal pals. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, but these, you know, there was a sexual pull and there was a kind of like romantic attraction to them, but not in the same way, not in this like stable heteronormative way. So there were these two worlds and... I didn't struggle, I think, with consolidating them. I was too caught up in my own teenage drama to think about my sexuality. But it was just very interesting, now that I'm looking back on it, is that these two worlds could coexist. Mm-hmm. Maybe not in the most functional way, because, you know, compulsory heteronormativity and all that. It, my my coming out and my realizing experience was mm-hmm. kind of easier because of that, because I just thought it was natural for everyone. I didn't uh-huh. think I was gross for thinking of those things. Yeah, my experience is... Yeah. Different in the sense that I think that because I was attracted to women, I just numbed my my libido. I mean, didn't want to feel too much, I think, unconsciously. It was too complicated to deal with. But I knew I had, like, I was aware that my friendships were some, at least one of them, and some of them are a little bit, um, like, too close. But I was okay with that idea as long as it wasn't sexual. And I think, yeah, I'm still straight. Yeah, I've been in a relationship, like, like... we're very emotionally involved for, I don't know, two or three years. And I was in complete denial. And we were both, both of us were in denial. But, and everybody was like pushing us mm-hmm. together. But I was like, no, but no, but I'm straight. <laughs> and whatever was happening when we were drunk is something different. It, I was not, I was really just numbing the sexual part of it. And I was more okay with, with those feelings. But still, also, I didn't necessarily see myself marry someone. If it had to happen, it had to be a man because it was the norm. Yeah. And I, anyways, I couldn't see myself actually with a woman. Anyways, so yeah, it took me years, years. One question that I had, and we will dedicate a whole mm-hmm. podcast to that specific issue. But how did you come out to your significant other? Um, who's a man? So yeah, explain. who's a man? Yeah, <laughs> I think he was more aware of it than I was. We had this conversation early on in a relationship about me being attracted to girls, and I was not. I said, yeah, I might be more than I'm more maybe more flexible than other women, but so he was aware of it. Mm-hmm. And then when I came out to him, I did that? it. I did it in several steps because okay. I think the first time he really didn't believe me. Mm. It was just he didn't he didn't want to realize what it was implying, mm-hmm. and then he accepted it. And I didn't come out in the beginning of a relationship because I wasn't aware of myself, um, not completely. <laughs> Yeah, it was. I don't. I don't exactly remember our conversation, but it was several times, mm-hmm. and I had to tell him again and again so that he would understand and talk about it and make it. No, it's not going to go away. And when I tell you that I'm attracted to women, I really am. I think for me it was a little bit 
again easier in a way because I am in in the relationship that I that I started several years ago and I when we met I had just moved places so nobody really knew me around that new place and and that was like a clean leaf for me I mean I was very young at that time and I was kind of like you know what I'm just gonna come out and, and be whatever the hell I want to be so kind of like my bisexuality was up in the air and it was always implied. People knew about it. So I didn't specifically have to tell my partner about it, um, who's also a man, by the way. Um, yeah. So I didn't necessarily be need to be like, honey, we need to talk um, <laughs> about it. But I think that since we got together, it sort of got silenced for, for a while. And it's only maybe in the past couple of years that I started talking more actively about it, probably prompted by our conversations <laughs> and also, you know, the you know, getting more involved in, in, in psychology and my own psychology, it's it's resurfaced. And I could see that maybe that's just me projecting onto him, but I could see that he had a hard time dealing with it in the sense of like understanding and, and uh, reconciling the whole like promiscuity versus bisexuality yeah. thing. That was a thing. But after a while, I think I just pushed the matter and I was like, you can talk to me about girls. I think mm-hmm. girls are hot too. That's fine. <laughs> and I think in the end, it was it was more about like possessiveness, not in terms of gender, but in terms of just like monogamy, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. One of his issues was he was feeling more threatened because he was aware that as far as men go, I mean, he was like my perfect match. Mm. But I realized that with like this thing that a woman could, I could have with a woman that it couldn't give me. And that started to really... Bug him? <laughs> yeah. He also realized that I would not cheat on him and mm. that it's not... That things are not as, like, black and white. Mm. And so, yeah, it, it, but it was not easy for him to accept. Can I just share the story of, like, how I found out about you in yeah. class? Uh, yeah, I, I don't Can remember, I? so... Oh, okay. Well, so we, we started going to, to university together and... There was an exercise in which we basically had to counsel each other. And her therapist presenting her case outed her. At the time, we didn't know With that. my consent. With my consent. We didn't know that, though. We yeah. didn't know that. And so when she said it, I was horrified at first because I was like, wait, is that... Like, because I didn't know her that well at the time. Yeah. So I was like, was that consensual? Oh, my God, what is happening? And then the second part of it was like, oh, I had no idea. And the third was... That is super awesome. I need to be friends with you. <laughs> that was like my experience of, of yeah. that whole thing. And I think it just goes to show how it's good to have like to have people that are more progressive in their thinking around you is that I feel like a lot of people in our class, not all of them, but a lot of them were more like disturbed by the consensual part of your coming out to the class experience yes. rather than you being bisexual. And which was interesting is that actually the person who outed me with my consent mm-hmm. said that everything before she started speaking that everything that was going to be said was with my consent with the consent of the other client really paid attention and, and people <laughs> didn't listen to that but she yeah. said it she said it and it was important that she was she said it and also yeah. uh she's herself bisexual so it was really not for me it was also also i kind of needed that mm. Because I wanted it to be out as a monogamous relationship. I'm not going to start dating girls just to show that I'm bisexual. It's not... Look at me. I'm bisexual. Yeah. <laughs> Look at this girl I'm dating. Yeah. It doesn't... It wouldn't have made any sense. So it was important for me to be out, at, le- at least in that part of my life, mm. because I can't be in every aspect of my life. I will be probably, but it's a long process. Also, I think that it really made a difference when it comes to identity building to find other bisexual and talk about it. Yeah. 
and feel that you, yeah, there are people that really get what it means. Yeah. There's one last aspect to coming out that I kind of want to discuss um, if you're up for it. And mm-hmm. that is coming out to your family. Yeah. As in like family of origin. Because I know that you didn't have that experience. Right? No, because my both my parents passed away before I truly realized. I think my mother knew to a certain extent uh-huh. because she tried to make me talk about it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Also, that's also one of the reasons, if I'm being honest, why I uh, I came out later is that once my mom passed away, it was I knew I wouldn't disappoint anyone or not worry her. Mm. It was a little bit complex. I didn't really know what she would have been feeling. She was open minded about other people. But what about me? It was just liberating in that aspect yeah. that I didn't have. It was just me and, and myself in a way. <laughs> I didn't have to uh, to think about the consequences for my parents. Well, both of my parents are still alive, and I one of them doesn't know, and I don't really care if he knows. Uh, the other, no, actually, it would be interesting to know his reaction because we've barely spoken about anything social and no kind mm. of social just justice um, subject. So I would have loved to know his opinion. Call me dad, um, but <laughs> <laughs> but I think with with my mother. There are many layers to to my experience because I I was raised in a pretty liberal household. My mother never, you know, was never openly homophobic or, or, or racist or anything like that. But the perils of, you know, being raised in the Soviet Union is that you have those biases, unfortunately. And sometimes they shine through and sometimes they're hurtful to me. And they I have to be like, check yourself. I do correct her from time to time. I don't always do it, which I should start doing. But I think part of it is like, yeah, the the whole it's okay for other uh, people's kids, but not for my kids is the thing that I'm still struggling with just because I am a perfectionist and disappointing my parents would be like the worst thing to ever happen in my life. But the other part is also the the social climate um, of, of Ukraine where I'm from is that I don't think in my lifetime there will be a time when I can walk through the city holding hands with another woman in a non-platonic way and be completely at peace there. And that was actually one of the things that I was thinking about yesterday. There was a, an advert um, that was just published uh, here in the Netherlands of Suit Supply, the, yeah. the suit company, and it basically depicts two men kissing. And it, it was uh, posted on a bus stop right next to where we work. And I, I, I didn't see it before. And I saw it yesterday for the first time. My reaction was, well, extreme joy, first of all. And no, actually, my first reaction was I didn't even notice it, that it was different, which I think speaks to my development. I don't know. And then I was really happy about it. And then I was kind of, I tried to imagine that kind of, you know, advertisement mm-hmm. being posted somewhere in the big city, big city streets of mm-hmm. Kiev. Yeah. And I just kind of horrified myself. So there's a long way to go. I think coming out in your culture is something that needs to be taken into account, no matter how accepting your culture is or, or how backwards, so to speak, it is in, in the sense of, of um, LGBTQ plus rights. It's always a challenge and it's always your culture and your family and your significant others are so intertwined and so so salient, especially when you bring it forward and you put something so shocking, well, shocking for some people, most people out there. It's also in that regard that internet changed a lot of things because... Yeah. You can, if then, if you can't have any kind of support in your in your environment, real life, uh, quote unquote, mm-hmm. uh, you have you can have a sense of community and support online. Yeah, absolutely. 
And that's that's one of the things is that also there are at least on on Tumblr there. Are, <laughs> there I mean that that's the only one I can speak for because that's where I'm most active. There are whole communities of people that that exist for the support of of uh, minorities, and they know the terms. And I think that's one of the things that is important is that you kind of you know the lingo, and once you have that common language within the community, that makes it easier. So you can be like, oh, I'm demi pan bi, and people will know what that means. And, you know, that's that's part of it is building this sense of community. And you know what? Honestly, I, I in the ideal world, we, we'd all be accepted in our families. We'd all be accepted in the communities that we came from. But now we have this option of finding new communities for ourselves, be it by traveling or be it by the Internet. The most important thing is not to stay in the closet because the closet is a dark dark place yeah and i even finished with some theoretical go ahead thing um <laughs> is that it also been proven that people who are, are out not not to everyone but out in most part of their life most aspects of their life to like so several different kind of people like family colleagues teachers like different kind of people are um less at re- risk of developing mental health issues so come out, kids. <laughs> yeah, to the people who you feel safe with. Yeah, and don't lie to yourself. Others are fine for the meantime, but the more you come out, and it becomes easier with every single time. And it's a continuous process. It's a developing process. And eventually, I think it enriches us as human beings in yeah. a way. This you know kind of cycle of coming out every single time. So give you a much much more. Interesting, if I can say, perspective on life because you can't ignore yourself and yeah. who you are. You have to deal with that, with difference, and just open your eyes on a lot of things. Yeah, and become much more aware of other people's plights as well. On that inspiring note, uh, <laughs> we will leave you until next week. In the meantime, please follow us on Twitter on by uh, underscore positive. And also we have a new email address, which is by positivepodcast at gmail.com for any sort of ideas or information that you want to send our way. Otherwise, we will see you next week.